I've discovered repeatedly that faithful witness requires us to hold on to the beautiful and diverse manifestations of God's action among his people, stretching ourselves to be more faithful than ever to Jesus and his kingdom in the age in which we live. Stretching ourselves to be more faithful than ever to Jesus and his kingdom in the age in which we live. And that's what I, I really um, envision for us, um, and I want to encourage us to reach out for um, in this new year, to stretch yourself, to stretch ourselves to be more faithful than ever to Jesus and his kingdom in the age in which we live in. There are many significant moments that are coming up in this new year, um, one of them being the national elections. And so, and if you haven't noticed, um, your roads are being fixed as we speak, right? There is a road somewhere where you, you know, where you, you're driving past, that you drove past, to ch even to church this morning, that's being fixed. So everyone is all of a sudden jerked up into some action to prepare for election to say, hey, I'm here, vote for me. Um, but um, I want to, in the midst of that, how can we be more faithful to Jesus and his kingdom in this age that we live? What does it look like being, being more faithful to Jesus? And I love Jesus, and I have written a whole lot of stuff here on, on the life of Jesus, and I'm going to go through it quickly because I, wanna, I do want to get um, to the sermon. And I've entitled the subtitle, the title of this message, I've entitled it The Return, because I believe that God is calling us to return to Him, to return to a faithfulness to Jesus in this, uh, in this year. And the subtitle is Living Lives Empowered by the Spirit and Prayer. So I want to speak into our devotional life this morning as well. Jesus, for me, is um, talking about faithfulness to Jesus. I mean, when I look in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. In Luke chapter 4, he is full of the Spirit. He is led by the Spirit. He returns in the power of the Spirit. And yet in verse 42, he withdraws from the crowd to an isolated place to pray. For prayer was customary for Jesus. I mean, Jesus was not in the, in, in the business of, of heroism. I mean, if you look, when you see the events of Luke chapter 4, you would expect that he would want to get to the top of the mountain and say, here I am, the hero. But no, he withdraws to a quiet place to pray. In Mark chapter 6, he invites his disciples to join him as he steps away from the crowds to a quiet place um, to find rest and to pray. So this was not just about him praying, but it was also an invitation about him inviting you and I to live in the same way that, that he lived. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. He obliges, and we have the Lord's Prayer. We learn from Jesus that the spirit and prayer life is diametrically opposed to living according to our own strengths and desires. It's not the same. Living according to what I can accomplish, to what I can do, is the complete opposite and opposed to living um, according to the spirit and um, through prayer. And when we resist the temptation to live our lives according to our own strengths and our own abilities, we access great power, and that is the good news of salvation, not only for our souls, but the entire world. Our world today, friends, is desperate and waits in eager expectations, in eager expectation for the daughters and sons of God to show up. And that's you and I. Our world is, in desperate, is desperate and waiting in eager expectation 
for those that respond to the invitation, to the quiet invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ to follow him to the quiet place and spend time in prayer and commune with God for those to show up. There's so much need in the world today. There's so much need in the world today. We are desperate, I was just talking about making reference to the um, uh, national elections that are coming up. We are desperate for leaders who are going to steer our economy in the direction where there is not only rejoicing for the rich part, for the poor, unemployed, and marginalized people of our nation. You might think, what does that have to do with me this morning? It's got everything to do with you. Because if our country is going to change, it's going to take you and I getting into some form of action in our own little quiet corner as an individual, as a family, as a community. And holding hands with others, finding others who think and, 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 and imagine the same, and partnering with those and seeing change in our own in our own spaces. We are desperate for leaders who will make corruption a thing of the past and make integrity and efficiency um, our present and future reality. At the very least, you can make this your prayers. We need churches that are not only concerned with how cool their buildings and programs are, but whose concern is with the poor, the brokenhearted, the rejected, the homeless, the imprisoned, etc. That is, that is what you and I um, should be praying about, should be imagining, should be desiring in the world in which we live. As I went through the first week of the year, well, we still, we cl we're closing it off, and also celebrating my so-called for the sixth birthday, <laughs> I suddenly found myself thinking a lot about, obviously, as I was saying earlier, things that I've managed to accomplish and things that I've not managed to accomplish. And some of the words, some of the scriptures that come to mind are scriptures such as 1 Corinthians, verses 1 to, I think, verse, um, verse, verse, verses 1 and 2, when it says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a, or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And so all of a sudden I'm just looking, I'm looking at things that I've done with my hands, at things that I've done with my life so far, and I'm like, is this significant? And what is significant? What does it look like? And then Isaiah 30, another scripture like Isaiah 30, verses 15 to, to 18, I'm going to read from the message translation because of time, but I also have it in the English Standard Version, you can read it in any um, version that you have. And I hope you can see, I hope the words are not too small, but here it is from the message translation. God the Master, the Holy, the Holy of Israel, has this solemn counsel. Your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourselves. Your strength will come from setting down in complete dependence on me. The very thing you were, you've been unwilling to do. You've said, no way, we'll rush off on horseback. You rush off all right, just not far enough. You've said we'll ride off on, a, on fast horses. 
Do you think your pursuers ride on old nets? Think again. A thousand of you will scatter before one attacker. Before a mere five, you will run off. There will be nothing left of you. A flagpole on a hill with no flag. A signpost on a roadside with the sign torn off. But God's not finished. He is waiting around to be gracious to you. He is gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right. Everything. Those who wait around for him are the lucky ones. I thought about these words this week. A flag, a flag pole on a hill with no flag. A signpost on a roadside with a sign torn off. And I'm like, how do I make my life count? How can I be a flag pole on a hill with a flag, not without a flag? How can I be a signpost on a roadside that's pointing people somewhere, not one of those with the signpost torn off? How can I be a man of purpose? As we can see, as we've seen, Together, that Isaiah 30 paints a grim picture for us. How we become like a signpost on the side of the road with no, with no sign and a flagpole on a hill with no flag. Our only hope of salvation from this state, such state of affairs, is in quietness and rest. There is the answer for us. In quietness and rest. It actually almost does not make sense. Because I'm talking about how do I conquer the world? And then here I am saying the answer is in quietness and rest. No. Like one of my New Year's resolutions is to run the Two Oceans Ultra Marathon this year. 56 kilometers of running. And so how do I compete and run the Ultra Marathon? And the answer is in quietness and rest. No. It doesn't work that way. I, I do it by training. And going out every morning and running and more running and more running. Not by retreating, but here the answer and the remedy to your life becoming more significant, becoming more significant is going to be in quiet and in rest. And in so doing, we will encounter God in His true nature. And His true nature is breakthrough, justice, salvation, healing, freedom, and more. Because friends, God wants to leave, God wants to leave through you. He doesn't just want you to live without and apart from Him, but your life is supposed to be an extension of God's, of God's life in this world today. The question then is, how do we return? How do we do this? How do we turn back to Him, as, as, um, as I 30 encourages us to do? First, we need to acknowledge that originally we were made to be like Christ. We were made to live like Christ lived. We were made to follow like Christ followed. We are made to obey like Christ obeyed. We are made to act like Christ acted. We are made to love like Christ loved. Therefore, the returning for us means a new or a reformation centered in the life of Christ. So I need my life to be reformed and to be centered in the life of Christ in 2024. How do I reach out and um, how do I make purposefully? make my life and the activities concerning my life to be centered around Christ in this year. 
Any investigation for answers on how to on how to do this reveals that it is impossible to do it without a spirit and prayer. As was the case with Jesus. Jesus also prayed and Jesus relied in the, on, on, on the spirit. The spirit and prayer was key, were key to the uh, to, and central for Jesus' life and ministry. So it should be for you and I today. If we are to restore the sign to the signpost or the flag to the flag post. The sign on the signpost speaks of our call to point people to the direction of Christ. And the flag on the flag post tells them when they arrive. We are to be this, um, this, um, to, 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 um, we are to be this, um, this to the world today. We are to be both the direction, pointing people um, there, and also the destination to show them that you have now arrived. This is our calling. We are called to point people towards Christ, but we are also called to be the destination because Christ lives in us. Christ loves through us. Christ acts through us. So when people encounter or meet me, they should be encountering Christ. I thought about this as I was preparing this, this message and I didn't put it in my notes, so here's another rapid trade. One of my things is, um, is generosity, and I'm trusting God to be, I've been impacted by, by, by others' generosity towards me, and I'm trusting God to also be a generous person towards others. And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've experienced it, where someone kind of gives you the idea, is, is, is that sign, is that signpost? In, you know, gives you the idea that they are a generous person and they will be willing to help you with your problem, right? Have you ever encountered that? And then you respond to, 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 to that thing that you are sensing, kind of like, you know, a sign on a signpost that says, Hey, here I am. I'm a generous person. You can ask me for help if you need any time. And then you go and you ask them for help and the answer is no or it's rejection. You know, like, what happened? I thought there was an invitation for me to ask for help, but then when I asked for help, I was rejected. That's what it looks like to be a sign pointing someone with a sign torn off. And I'm like, I want to be. I want to be the person who is a sign of generosity, but also when people encounter me, I want to be that generosity. I want to be say, I want to say, yes, help, happy to help. How can I help? Yes, we've arrived at the right place. Let's do it together. So I want to present to us these four quick points on how to do this. And I call it, I mean, I'm saying it's a humble offering and it doesn't go in any particular order. As we pursue a life of spirit and prayer, here are some four steps that I want us to look at this morning. We're going to look at this morning. Intimacy, dependence, imagination, and movement. And there could be more. This is not a, a conclusive list. And let's start off with uh, intimacy. Because we want to return to this place where Jesus is, the, is at the center of our lives. And empowering us in everything that we do. And I call intimacy the pursuit of a new or a pure heart. Find encouragement, as I found encouragement from Psalm 119 verse 9, when it says, how can a young man keep his, keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, 
With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I think about this verse a lot. How can I, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? So let the word of God be key and central in your life. However you take it. For me, it's putting on my airports and, and the audio Bible sometimes when I run. So that I'm constantly listening and filling myself with the word. However you take it. If it's early in the morning to find a quiet space. I had a friend um, the, um, last year that we gifted with a book called Be Still. And he was so excited when he invited us. He invited us to dinner um, in December, 8th December. He was so excited to show me a room that after reading this book, he converted this particular corner in his wife's office and um, re uh, renovated a chair. And now he, he, he is inspired to sit on the chair every morning and read his Bible for just half an hour. How can a young man keep his heart, keep his way pure? By guiding it according to the word of God. So find space for the word of God in your life. Somehow. It doesn't have to be the same for all of us. And there's, a, there's something else where we mislead each other. We say, a quiet time must look like this A, B, C, and D. It doesn't work the same for all of us. Some of us find inspiration when we're out in nature. So find a way to bring in the word of God with your walks on the park. However it works for you, whilst you are doing dishes, whilst you are cooking, whilst you are cleaning, whilst you are driving, bring in the word of God into your life. Don't try mimic the person next door, but be yourself. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but, in the, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The invitation is to holiness, is to purity, which is through the word of God, and to holiness. Purity of heart speaks of holiness. You'll find that the more you soak your life with the word of God, the holier you'll become, as scripture invites us to be holy, as God is holy. And the pursuit of holiness is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us by leading and inviting us away from the crowds and the noise of our world to a quiet place where the, quality, where the reality of what's in our hearts is made clear and there. We learn in and through prayer to resist the temptation that results from whatever fills our hearts. There's no place of honesty that, that can beat the place of prayer. With honesty with what's going on in your life, in your heart. I feel that sometimes I, I shy away from spending time with God in prayer because I don't like what, what I begin noticing in my own heart and life when when I stop to be quiet for a moment. And then all of a sudden things that are in my own heart rise to the surface. And I see what I've been carrying, what I've been thinking, how I've been acting. I don't like what I see. And so the key for me is 
to stay away from the place where those things come to the surface and I get to see them. But the encouragement here is that when they do come to the surface in the place of prayer, the Spirit of God will help you to be able to engage with those things, to pray and to ask the Lord to, 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 to help you to deal with them, to help you to change. And as, as you pray, that's how holiness comes. If we are to walk in the power of the Spirit like Jesus did, we must be prepared to face, to face up to whatever fills our hearts. And the only way to do that is through prayer. The next one is dependence. And I call this the pursuit of a new relational context. And I love the song that we sang this morning. We are so in love with you. We are so in love with you, in love with you. From the beginning, God is in relationship with the Godhead Trinity and creates us for relationship and to be in relationship with each other. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Being loved by God, loving God, and from that place of loving, of loving, um, and from that place loving our neighbor in the same way we we have come to love ourselves, is the new relational context necessary for the return. There is this dependence that is in love, that is in the in the love that is only found in God, and growing in your knowledge of the love of God and experience of the love of God and loving God. And through that, learning how to love yourself in the context of that love. And the word love there is the word agape or agapao, which is the unconditional love. And then having, having grown and, and, and strengthened in your love for God and his love for you, and your love for yourself in the context of that love, then learning to love your neighbor as you have come to love yourself. There are so many things that we take for granted about love in our lives. Especially this part about loving ourselves. Because there's so much distortion on loving yourself in the world today that we have rightfully discouraged most people or, or, or all of us to say, spend, do not spend too much time thinking about yourself. Think about others. Don't spend too much time in front of the mirror and checking yourself out. It's not good. And I'm saying to you this morning, it is actually, there are times when it's actually good to learn healthy ways of loving yourself. Because unless you do that, if you can't learn how to unconditionally love yourself, how to pardon yourself, how to how to, how, how to be gentle with yourself, how to extend grace to yourself, you're not going to learn how to extend grace to your neighbor. You're not going to learn how to pardon your neighbor. You're not going to learn how to pardon your, your children. If you as a father have not learned how to, how to be loved and how to love yourself first, you're not going to learn how to love your kids the way you desire to love them. If you haven't learned how to show up for your own self first, you're not going to know how to show up for the world. In authentic, I'm talking about authentic 
ways of showing up. We're not just talking about me coming here this morning and bragging that I went for a 42 kilometer ride this morning when I actually was sleeping. I'm talking about the real stuff. Talking about the real stuff. Talking about the stuff that we are doing in our lives. And then being those things to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, to our children, to our colleagues. If you are just to just reduce all the things you want to be in showing up to the world today to only the things that you, you actually do for yourself too. The things that you enjoy. Don't invite people to imaginary walks. Invite them to walks that you actually go on. Life would be so much easier because all of a sudden you will not be having a, a thousand options. But all of a sudden it's just going to be one or two things that you can focus on for the year. To say, I want to show up in these two ways to my kids this year. That's okay. If you can do that by the end of the year, that's success. Well done. Next one is imagination. The pursuit of a new vision, seeing beyond. You know, Ephesians 3.20 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. That is, that is so powerful. According to his power that is at work within us. When we pray, the ability to see or imagine a reality beyond our current reality is necessary. And this is only possible by the power which is the Spirit of God at work within us. Part of our problem in prayer is that we have lost both this ability to imagine and the awareness of the power of God available, not only to us, but within us. To work out incredible miracles as answers to prayer. Part of the problem in prayer is that we've lost this, these things, both the imagination, the ability to imagine, and the awareness that God works in, in great power, but this power is within us. It's not just available to us, but it, it also flows through us. So we need an awareness of these things. In some instances, what we need is not more hours in prayer, but we need imagination in prayer. And judging by the number of healing miracles concerning blindness in Scripture, our ability to see and imagine in prayer is to be valued greatly. If you've spent any much time in the New Testament and followed the life of Jesus, you would notice that there's actually a number of miracles, separate miracles, that deal with hidden blindness. So, it must then also mean that the ability to see is to be very great. Ability to imagine in Scripture. What do you see when you see a poor man or a woman begging on the side of the road? Because there are certain things that we, 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 we've made ourselves and forced ourselves and it's become natural for us not to see. But we are called to see. We are called to imagine. And that changes and transforms our prayers for those people, for those situations, for those instances. Mark 18 verse 22. Here, there's a story there. When they arrived in Bethesda, some people, this is one of the hidden miracles. When they arrived in Bethesda, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand 
and led him out of the village. Then, sitting on the man, then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and, and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around and he said, Yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. And I love how this miracle happens in stages, because sometimes when we come before God in prayer, we expect our answer to come immediately, and when we get even part of the answer, we rush off in excitement that we got it. But the encouragement here is not to be too eager to go. Sometimes we have to stay a little longer to receive the fullness of what Jesus has for us. And here we see this miracle coming in three stages, this miracle of sight. And the first one I call, it, it, it is complete blindness. The man is completely blind. And here I want to I take this and parallel it to our lives, to some situations in your life. Just think of a situation that is difficult in your life where, yes, you've got sight, you can see. Because, yes, you drove yourself to church this morning. But you've got a situation, I'm sure some of us this morning have a situation where we feel like, I, I don't know what's going on here. I can't see how I'm going to get out of this one. You know, 2023 started like that for me. It was the beginning of the year, but I couldn't see how I was going to get to the end of the year. Because already life was so hard. Life was such a huge mountain to climb. Failure was assured. That could be you right now. You think the need is so great and the resources are so little. It's just going to be impossible to do everything that I'm called to do this year. It's impossible. I can't see. I am completely blind in this situation. So I say, in that, in, 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 if that's you, you are right in the thick of things. You are too personally involved. Therefore, you are unable to descend rightly in order to be able to pray. You can't even pray about your situation because it is so demoralizing. There's a solution for you. Cry out for help. Cry out for help. Prayer can just be a cry. Help! Jesus! Somebody! Help! Reach out to your friends like I had to learn. You know, you, you think a 45-year-old would have learned how to reach out to their friends for help? No. Until you are really, really, really in a dark place, in a dark situation where you can't see, where you are completely blind, you, you, you just can't, you are completely unable to descend, and you've got a family, and you are trying to make things work to make ends meet, and then you learn afresh. Like you thought you had learned 10 years ago, but actually that was not a lesson. The lesson is now to learn how to reach out to somebody for help and say, help me. The second, the second, um, the second stage is far aside because this man could see, but he couldn't see clearly. He can see, but not clearly. It's interesting that he says he sees people as trees. Another author puts it this way. He says he's in danger of going around chopping people for firewood, thinking it's trees. 
Have you met those people? They're nice, they're amazing Christians, but man, they are just sharp on the edges when it comes to relationships. They're just like, they've left a string of broken hearts behind them. And like, what's going on here? They can see, but, but not too clearly. There's some level of awareness, but marked by lots of confusion. The solution again is to cry out for help. You need help. And finally, clear sight. The man has got clear vision. Full sight of all the perspectives and narratives at play. For far enough from the situation not to be tainted by, um, far enough from the situation not to be tainted, but close enough to care deeply. And here the action is help others. You are the destination. You are both the signpost and the destination for a friend, for a neighbor. Help. Amen? Because of time, I'm not going to go to the second um, miracle um, of sight that I wanted to touch on this morning. But there are many, there's a, there's a number of them that you can find in the Gospels and be inspired by. Finally, I want us to look at movement, the pursuit of mission. And I call this up from my favorite character from Toy Story to infinity and beyond. <laughs> Firstly, as Jesus was about the Father's business, we are called to be about the Father's business or mission in the world today. Some of you might know that I work for an organization called 24-7 Prayer, part of my time, and they would believe that prayer is the birthplace of Christ-centered mission and that our mission has to be emphatic, has to emphatically reflect God's heart for the world today, which is God's love and justice. Hence the slogan at 24-7 prayer, which is prayer, mission, and justice. Secondly, once we discover that mission, which powerfully and emphatically reflects God's heart in the world today, we must resist the temptation to settle there. There are greater works God has, has in store for us. Works that will impact people far and beyond the four walls of this building. While some are called to, to remain here and continue the work in this community and city, some, if not most, will have to respond to the call to go as Jesus went to other towns, to other parts of the city, and to other cities. And here's something that um, Terry always speaks about. We are called we are called, we are called to plant. We are called to multiply. Signal, we are called to multiply. There's going to be a time when we are not just meeting here. This is not the only signal meeting in the city of Cape Town. Some of us are called to go as Jesus went. So don't resist it when it comes. So it is that the life of the Spirit in prayer is characterized by lots and lots of flexibility and change which results in movement. The people of God have always been on the move, right from Genesis to Revelation. Abraham is called to leave his people of origin. Jacob has to flee his brother. Joseph is sold to slavery. Pharaoh has to let God's people go. In Acts, Paul goes to Jerusalem, even after being warned of imminent imprisonment that awaited him there. The people of God are called both to establish and to journey both to show the way there and to be the way there. 
the flexibility required, the life, the flexible life required, the, the result of the life of prayer can sometimes be the very thing that drives you away, that repels you from prayer because you are too settled where you are. But let me tell you, when you begin engaging God in prayer, spending any any amount of quality time in prayer, you will find that you'll be challenged to be a little bit more flexible in your life, to, 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 to welcome change a little bit more in your life. Luke 4 verse 42 says, Early the next morning Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too. Because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Jesus lived, if Jesus lived in this way, you and I are also called to live in this way. Jesus did not settle. Jesus knew his mission. His mission was not about one place. His mission was about other towns. His mission was about the world, cities, nations. And I believe that our mission this morning, a signal. I believe that our mission as a community is about nations, is about cities, is about other parts of the city. Amen? Amen. I know this message has been hard-hitting, and, and so I want to I wanna kind of close with a quote from a, a song I've been listening to this week, because all these things are possible, but again, like I said at the beginning, they are not possible through my own strength. They're not only possible through your own strength, but they are only possible through God and the empowerment that comes by the Spirit. And so Pat Barrett says in a song called Canvas and Clay, from the album of the same name, Canvas and Clay, he says, you make all things work together for your glory and for your name. And when I doubt it, Lord, remind me. Lord, please remind me that I'm wonderfully made. You are an artist and a porter. I'm the canvas and the clay. And I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You are God's artwork. God is at work forming your life to what he has called you to be, to his own image in the world today, in your family, in your community. So take heart. It's him at work. Take heart, my friends. Amen. Amen.